welcome to the Anonymous Squadcast, episode six. We want to spend a special thank you to Laserlord for supplying us with that awesome intro that you guys just heard. I hope you guys like it. We certainly like it enough to at least make it our intro. So if you guys want to hear more from Laserlord, go check him out. He's on YouTube. Pretty easy guy. Pretty easygoing guy, and he's pretty cool as well. Tonight, as far as news goes, we've got some armored kill impressions. That's obviously Battlefield 3 related. We're going to be talking a little bit about Medal of Honor and possible connections to Bin Laden. We are also going to be answering the question, is the PlayStation Vita the next Dreamcast? Our special guest tonight is Teal1966. He is a PS3 gamer. Everyone give it up. Hey, everybody. Hi, Teal. Um, actually, Teal is my friend, and uh, I kind of invited him over uh, to the podcast to join us and talk with us. And now, Teal is a very special person because, no way, he's not like me and you. He is, he's, not, he's not our average gamer. He's 46 years old, so he has gamed a lot more than you and me. So, Teal, why don't you tell us something about yourself and how you got into gaming and how you got into Battlefield 3? Well, to start with, <clears throat> I've been playing... I had one of the first consoles out there, the Atari Pinball. Little squares, little paddles, bing, bing, bing. Fun, fun, fun. From there, I just, I've always enjoyed doing things that involve me actually being part of it. You know, whether it be Atari Pinball or a quest type game or whatever. I just, I enjoy thinking, I enjoy playing any kind of game, really. So we've moved on, you know, we moved on from from that. and It really kind of escalated as we went along. I cut my teeth online gaming 20, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to spitball it 20 years ago now, um, playing Quake and, their, and the first real online mod that I know of, which was Team Fortress. And I love the first person shooter thing. There's, it immerses you in the game. It makes you more a part of your environment. So... So that's why you're playing Battlefield 3 now. Yeah. I, you know, well, you know, it's it's you go from, you know, the, the Quake days where and even more recent um, Call of Duty or Modern Warfare, whatever, where you fire a bullet, it goes straight as an arrow and hits whatever. Battlefield 3, I it provides more of a challenge. You have bullet drop. You have vehicles. You have a little more destructible uh, environment. You know, at the buildings collapsing, you know, you have to be more aware of everything around you. And I, I find it much more enjoyable than pretty much any other game I've ever played in the first per person shooter category. Yeah, it's definitely more interesting than your run of the mill first person shooters. Speaking speaking about about Atari, I think Noah still plays some retro games. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. In fact, I just okay, so I have an Atari 2600, um, which is actually, I'm pretty sure, older than I am. However, uh, I couldn't play it for the longest time because the video cable I had for it broke. But I finally got a replacement last summer for $2 on Amazon. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Now I can play the Atari 2600, like Pitfall, and uh, what was that game where you were a police officer and you had to chase the burglar up and down the escalators? Oh, I don't remember. I right? can't remember. Going back. <laughs> anyway, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Um, 
I have learned kind of that video games have changed in a way that you play the retro game systems and you can play them for a while, but you know, you play them for five minutes and you're like, you know, I could take a break now. Whereas now you play Battlefield, you could play it for a couple hours and you'd still be like, I got to get back into this game. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just me. Um, maybe no, that maybe is true. Is. That is true. Uh, because, I mean, if you're if you're a busy gamer, uh, you don't have time for gaming and everything. It's better for you to stick to the retro systems because you can play it for five, ten minutes and get the enjoyment out of it. And then you can go around doing other things. Teal, uh, I, uh, I, I'm just curious, where did you get into the Battlefield franchise? Did you start with Bad Company or did you start with Battlefield 3? No, I, I actually started with Battlefield 3 and I, <laughs> I'm so pathetic. I actually played them backwards. Okay. I played, Battle, I played Battlefield 3 and then I did Bad Company 2 and then I did the original Battlefield. <laughs> but right now you only play <laughs> Battlefield 3, right? Most of the time? Pretty much that's, that, yeah, I've got a shelf of games and... Battlefield 3 very rarely ever even comes out on my PS3 anymore. Okay, that's cool. So let's talk about what we have been up to. Noah, what, whatever you've been up to, how's uh, school and everything else? Well, school is, you know, finally taking shape. I'm entering, well, I guess the third week of classes started today. So, you know, starting to get the whole, I've got a lot of big papers to write coming up and got a lot of reading to do, but it's nothing I can't handle. It takes away from my gaming a little bit, but pretty much my priorities are school, sleep, and gaming. So, <laughs> that's all I need. Yeah, and you told me that there was some mess up today with some of your... Uh... Yes, yes. I'm, I'm on assistantship at my university. Um, so, it basically just means I get free tuition and they pay me a little stipend for me to work 20 hours a week for them. Which is a great deal. Um... Except for the whole, they haven't put me on assistantship yet. So, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So, hopefully, uh, you get on the assistantship, get some money, and then spend it on buying uh, PS Vita games. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way to spend it. Yeah, there are a lot of games coming next week. Uh, there sure are. Yeah. Teal, what are you up to? Oh, I'm really not doing much. We're, we're heading down to Florida for a week and going to do some fishing, see the wife's family. And other than that, I'm pretty much not doing anything other than looking way forward to Medal of Honor Warfighter. I'm, I'm, I know we're going to just talk about that later, but I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't been excited about a game coming out too much, but that one's really kind of getting in there for me. Wow. Um, you're the, actually one of the first persons that have told me that they're excited about Medal of Honor Warfighter. So um, we'll definitely talk to you about that. Have you had uh, any luck with fishing in the pre in the yesteryears? I mean, uh, I've heard it's pretty difficult and it requires a lot of patience. Huh? You know, we, we went down there to the Keys, um, Key Largo, back in January and February for two weeks. And we had a great time fishing. I My wife caught her first fish ever. It was a 20-pound tarpon. I and I I had an 80 pounder that I find, that I eventually lost. It just you know, it was huge. Not having strong enough uh, string, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm playing uh, playing around with an 80 pound tarpon on 10 pound test line. It 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 just wasn't going to end well, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Anyway, I Zito, 
I have been playing uh, Battlefield 3 Armored Kill and that's uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, we were a little busy, I think, last week. Um, that's why we didn't do a podcast. But um, I've been trying to get uh, some of the game time in in Battlefield 3. And uh, I mean, I haven't shared this on the podcast before, but me and my wife, uh, we're going to have a baby girl very soon, maybe in the next week or maybe after that, maybe in the next two weeks. So... I mean, we are preparing for that and we are getting things in order. Uh, I think everything is in order right now. So everything is going according to plan right now. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, the newest little zitter. I think that's what their gamer tag will be. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, guys, let's hit up the current news. We're going to start with Battlefield 3. And as we know, Armored Kill came out on PS3 last week. It comes out on PC uh, sometime tomorrow, you know, they have on Battlelog different times that it comes out. Actually, it's on Origin. They have the different times that the maps come out. So check for your region if you're interested in that. Although by the time you guys hear this, I'm sure it will be out for you. Um, anyway, so we're just going to talk a, lot about, a little bit about the uh, game modes offered in Armored Kill. We did sort of a, a mini podcast last week. Um, just about our general impressions, but so this time we're gonna focus uh, more so on the actual game modes, including Conquest Rush and Team Deathmatch. So, uh, Teal, what do you think of Conquest? I'm liking it. I I was a little skeptical at first because of the much larger maps, especially on console with you know only having 16 players or 24 players rather. But it seems to be working pretty well. Um, you have your your slow time. You know, you're going front to and from a, uh, an objective or whatever, and then you you just have this moment of just outlandish combat. You got tanks, you've got helicopters, planes, boom. You know, it kind of takes me back to even the vanilla maps the way they used to be, only on a much larger scale I, i'm enjoying it yeah um i'm actually uh liking conquest uh, now i mean initially i didn't like it because i was playing close quarters and i jumped in conquest and i was like huh there's nobody to kill um uh, but now i'm kind of starting to enjoy it as i'm learning the ma- maps i know that in every conquest uh, it's, it's a five flag conquest uh, maps but in every map there are three flags that are relatively close to each other. So what I try to do is I just try to stay between those three flags. And uh, now that I have gotten used to the pace, I'm starting to enjoy it. Noah, do, are you enjoying Conquest? Yeah, um, I think out of, well, I actually haven't played any Team Deathmatch yet on Armored Kill. But so I've, I've basically been focusing on rush and tank superiority. Uh, but I have played a couple rounds of Conquest. And something I noticed is, you know, a lot of people are talking about how the bigger maps don't have enough action on console. I'm almost seeing a lot more Conquest on, uh, or a lot more action on these Conquest maps than I did on Caspian Border. Um, on PS3, Caspian Border, you can pretty much go from objective to objective and capture it. And, you know, you cannot see anyone for quite a while. But, you know, I was getting killed pretty quickly on Armored Kill. And I think that 
partly is due to the range of the vehicles. Uh, they just shoot a lot further than, you know, guns are accurate to. So I think that the vehicle warfare is what gives Armored Kill action, even if you aren't in a vehicle. Uh, yeah, and certainly they have uh, more vehicles on every flag, like the ATV. I, I know you're having a good time with the ATV. <laughs> I do love the ATVs. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're nice to... Uh, they're nice to flank around they're pretty quick um i mean i they can overtake a tank so quickly i was amazed Uh, and um, they're gonna be my one of my favorite things to drive around in for a while although i would recommend for the conquest i mean it's good when uh when you have friends to play with if you're playing alone with randoms not so good Uh, that's what i have felt so let's talk about rush i know we talked about rush in our last episode and the all the imbalances and everything uh, regarding it but let's put that aside and let's let's just talk about are we enjoying it do we like it do we not like it i'm having a blast with rush rush was always my favorite mode um pre close quarters and i think it was still my favorite mode then um there's just something about the strategy involved I've never been a huge conquest or domination guy if you play Call of Duty. You know, it's okay, but I have such an internal dialogue. Do I stay on the objective or do I go and capture other ones? Whereas Rush, I know exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm good at playing that. Uh, And so I've just had a lot of fun. I think that the Rush points in each of the maps are unique enough and they aren't always in the same direction which I like. Um, Damavan Peak, you know, it was just so linear in the rush points. Whereas in the new night map, Death Valley, sometimes you go straight to an objective and then you have to, you know, do a 90 degree turn to get to the next set. I like that. I think it makes it a little bit, I guess it just gives it some contrast. Uh, Yeah, uh, you know what I noticed is that, uh, I mean, I've played rush on other vanilla maps before. But for some reason, I feel although the maps are a little bigger, you would expect that they, the action would be less. But I think uh, Rush in Armor Kill is much more action-packed. I, I think you're right. Um, now I agree with Nova on that. It's it's not nearly as linear. It's not point two points go straight line two point. You know, and I loved Rush. I I it's been one of my favorites on on the. First multiplayer now with armor kill, I, I I'll admit I rage quit a lot when it first came out because I especially as a defender. But I, I I think once we all settle down and change our strategies on how we're going to deal with whatever's being thrown at us at the time, I think it becomes much more manageable and a lot more fun. I think Zitter, you know, we we want to round a on defense last week, I think there was three MCOMs left. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, we actually talked about in our special episode last week uh, that uh, Rush is imbalanced, but I feel in hardcore mode, uh, Rush is still better balanced than the normal mode because just because of the fact that you can't 3D spot people. So I mean, if there is no 3D spotting, 
uh, it's a little difficult for the gunship to find you and kill you. And you can hide around in a corner and uh, keep uh, sending Stinger and Iglas towards the gunship. Uh, and I actually, I am enjoying Hardcore Rush. So I would still not play normal rush because I still feel that the balance is a little off. But I would yeah. be ready for playing hardcore rush anytime. Uh, Noah, have you given hardcore rush a try? You know I haven't. Um, and I guess I haven't quite thrown in the towel with regular rush yet. Okay. I still haven't won a defense. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't put that as a notch on my belt. Okay. But you know I've gotten them close sometimes. Um, yes, I had one uh, of them we had till 20 tickets, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a challenge. And I like not being able to win the first time. Yes. Uh, what I feel like is that if you take regular rush, for example, leave Amikil out of it, um, the attackers have a disadvantage in regular rush because on hardcore, you cannot take as many bullets. And when whenever an attacker is rushing, they will have to take that much bullets. So somehow the uh, rush actually balances more out in hardcore now I, I'm, I'm i don't have as much patience as you know i'm still not gonna play uh, defense on rush in normal mode right now until dice balances it out but <laughs> i'll definitely play hardcore mode and you know what uh, dice is doing something to balance this they, they are aware of the issue they said that they have increased the respawn time for the ac-130 uh, to 90 seconds instead of 60 seconds. Uh, I really don't think that's going to make a huge difference. Uh, but I think these are small tweaks that DICE is making to balance the mode. And that is something that DICE is not known for, is for making small changes. So I think maybe they learn something from this. And in the future, um, we wouldn't have so many big issues. Let's talk about Team Deathmatch. Um, it's a very popular mode. I, I, I like playing it. I know that Nova hasn't played it much, so I'm going to ask you, Teal, um, have you played Team Deathmatch? Uh, are you enjoying it? I, I, think it's, I think it's a lot more fun than it was. Now, keeping in mind, I play everything on Hardcore. I, I very rarely will ever venture into a normal server. So it's, it's a little different for me, I guess. But yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to like it, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, what I saw in Team Deathmatch match is that uh, the overall map is a little bigger. So there is room for snipers and uh, there is room for long-range combat rather than every being, everything being so hectic and everybody being in your face all the time. Um, people are still learning the map, so there's an opportunity to get a lot of kills if you are a good player. <laughs> and yes. it, they don't have those hiding spots. So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of fresh. And uh, I think I think the TDM uh, maps are pretty good. I, I I'm liking them so far. Moving on to our next news. Um, this news just came in. Uh, Medal of Honor is going to have a Bin Laden hunt or Bin Laden DLC. Uh, what they are doing is they are collaborating with Sony Pictures, who is going to move uh, make a movie on uh, the Bin Laden special operation or the Bin Laden mission. And uh, the movie is called Zero Dark Thirty. And they, they are collaborating with them so that they can maybe have a Bin Laden game mode or DLC or something. I'm not really sure about that. But, uh, I mean, what I want to ask you guys is, do we? Re I mean, these issues are a little controversial. And do you think that uh, these kind of issues, like people like Bin Laden, Hitler and everything, 
do they have a place in games? Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Noah? Um, man, there are so many thoughts right now. You bring up Hitler. Now, I have to say, Hitler is really fun to kill. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really never gets old. You know, you you kill one of the one of the people who's been involved with, you know, one of the largest genocides ever. Uh, I I think it's pretty neat. Um, now, as as for Bin Laden, I'm gonna say I love that Medal of Honor Warfighter is going to tie in with the Bin Laden movie, but it's not because of Bin Laden. Let me explain. So, I really like military strategy and military maneuvers. Um, you could call me a military fanboy. I'm not a part of the military, but I've always been kind of interested in it. You know, my parents never let me join. So, uh, I know how those, you know, the, the SEAL Team 6, was it? I know how they supposedly, you know, landed, killed Bin Laden, and got out. That, to me, seems like a very fun mission or co-op to play. Now, I don't know if they're going to make it a multiplayer map or anything like that, but as a mission, I think it's a really cool idea. And the fact that it really happened only makes it that much cooler. Um, so I give it my stamp of approval. Teal, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, I kind of agree with Nova on this. It's... I think the topic, it being topical, kind of draws you in and makes it a little bit more fun because it's like it's not so fake. It's not just a video game. You're you're kind of doing what SEAL Team Six did, and you're taking out the bad guy. That you know, as an American, it was kind of a woohoo day. You know, I was I was a little skeptical about it, just for the fact that. It is. To it's topical for America, you know. That this was. I, I realize terrorism's around the world, but for America, this was a really big deal. So how's that going to play in in you know other countries? I, I so I I I just don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, it's uh, I, it's sure to cause a controversy. I, I'm sh I'm sure it will. I'm I'm sure um, in. Not all, but several European countries in the Middle East. It's I don't know if they get you know I'm I'm sure that somewhere in the Middle East they're playing Battlefield Three, but um, you know it, it's just going to be a big hoopla over it. And I'm sure the trade magazines are going to be going saying all kinds of negative things about how could you put this in? It's blob, you know, whatever. Just like they do with any game that has bloodshed in it or shows shows gore or whatever there's always some kind of uproar over it so I, on the on the other hand the thing that i do like about it as an american is that ea is going to be donating a minimum of one million dollars to north american vets or american vets from the sale of the dlc so i i I think that our veterans deserve it, and it's nice to see them give back 
So I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of up on that side. I, it, it almost makes me want to go pre-order a game, which I never do. Oh, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised to find you, you two guys so hyped up about it. Uh, I have, I, I have a, I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about it. Uh, the problem is that, and it's, it's just my thinking. Uh, is that I like to get away from games, uh, get away from uh, reality to play games. Uh, games are more of my escape. And if like real controversial issues start making it in games, uh, I kind of do not like that for some reason. Also, sometimes I feel like, I mean, putting Bin Laden in the, in the game is actually giving him more exposure and giving him the type of exposure that uh, that he doesn't deserve. Uh, but I mean, I see your points. Uh, I mean, definitely the one million dollars uh, to American veterans that is an that is an awesome thing. Uh, I just I just hope that uh, the DLC is done tastefully and it's not like uh, an American scab off guy running with two machetes towards Bin Laden to kill him and all that thing. I mean it. If it's done like that serious, and if it's close to how they actually perform the mission, uh, I think I would be much more happy rather than seeing some big dramatic scene. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying there with the you know it's going to be like some Rambo thing. You know, you got the guy with the machetes and all that. I I I have a sinking feeling that is going to end the same way that so many of these other games pop in or, you know, and you're going to have, um, they had this, they had the scene in, uh, battlefield three at the villa, um, in the campaign where kill him, kill him now. And you turn the gun and boom, boom. And he's dead. I, I, I think it's going to be a slow motion bullet time kind of thing. I, I think that's how it's going to play out. I, that's just my opinion. And we'll, we'll see where, where it goes. Yeah, and if you follow the storyline of how they actually killed him, I mean, it it, it works perfectly for what Tiok was just talking about. Um, you know, there's definitely a place for that bullet time thing at the end. Personally, I do not like those, um, but they keep putting them in games. I will say, however, that there's kind of been a trend at tying i guess real life and i guess quote unquote real military to video games uh you guys remember when battlefield 3 first came out if we watched the trailer for the movie act of valor which was based uh you could say realistically <coughs> on navy seals um you got some dog tags to use in battlefield 3 so i think this is kind of a step up from that, you know, obviously you're going to be able to play a mission essentially where you enact something that you'll see in the movie. Um, but we've seen that with other video games like the Harry Potter video games. Um, there are other video games that have been based on movies that tie really closely to the plot and even use some of the same cinematics. So I think that if it is just a DLC, that it'll kind of be like that. And, you know, you'll have a couple real clips you'll have a couple things that you'll have to do you might be able to you know take a different perspective maybe i don't know but i think it could be exciting 
I, I'm pretty sure the mo- in the movie they are going to show everything very tastefully. And if the video game uh, creators take inspiration from that and create their DLC, things would be right. But I mean, if you, if you leave it alone to the video game developers, they might just have a very crazy dramatic scene, which 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 maybe some people will might not like. Even some military uh, personnel might not like that. Hey, this is this is not how our military acts, and this is not how our military does things, and which might actually might not get that kind of positive reception. So I'm 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 actually. I'm I'm hoping that you're right and they take more inspiration from the movie rather than trying to create their own scene because this scene would be watched I mean this scene would be in the mass media I mean we can expect this scene to be on the news and everything because this is this is a very controversial uh topic right so we as gamers want to be viewed in a light not comedic but you know like we we have to have respect for Bin Laden. Like, I know that, you know, we still have to call him evil because of what he did. But, you know, like, he had a lot of people behind him who thought that he was the big cheese. So, like, we can't just take him lightly as a role. You know, he was our enemy and he was a worthy enemy. Yeah, and uh, I see, I see, I see your point over there. I just wanted to touch upon what I spoke earlier. Is that do you think that uh, this um, DLC is giving a personality like Bin Laden undeserved exposure, exposure that he shouldn't have? Well, you know, you get to the fine line between publicity and, I guess. Uh, fact sharing or telling the story so um, I think that this kind of goes back to whether they're going to do it tastefully or not Um, if they recreate in the level the scene by scene you know play by play of what actually went down I think they will have given proper respect for the situation and for those involved in the situation I think that if they let it get out of hand that yeah it's very likely you know if they paint a big cartoony bin laden up you know with explosives strapped to his chest and surrounded by piles of money and rpgs then yeah i think that we've possibly you know it's it's kind of with the political satire thing um by putting them in a comic essentially what you're saying is that we are almost glorifying them beyond a point which they should be glorified. And, you know, I see what you're saying, but I think it all comes down to how appropriate they are in actually designing the level and then the movie as well. Teal, do you have any um, uh, comments about that? I kind of go with uh, Nova on that. I I think if, if it's tastefully done, if it's not cartoony, it's going to be, I mean, he's already been made a martyr, if, if you go by their logic. You know, he, he's already been killed. He's, well, boom, you know, he's in heaven with his 72 versions, whatever. I, I don't think that we should or we could make him any more in their eyes than we already have. 
but be taste if you're if we're tasteful about it well i mean you know the gaming company that puts it out if they're tasteful about it and they do it right i i don't think it's going to do any more to make him more of a leader in in their eyes or anything else i i I mean, it's it's already been splashed all over the news. It's already been splashed all over the internet. So, you know, I, unless it gets outlandish, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it being nearly as as bad as it could be, providing they keep it, you know, like Nova said, tasteful, to the point, done and over with. Yeah, that's that's what we are hoping. That they will do because I mean uh, it's it's not gonna be a huge controversy but I mean we as gamers like Noah said earlier are going to look bad in the in the eyes of mass media if they do something stupid so let's hope everything they do everything all right tastefully and they actually rely on the movie to lead them rather than they trying to create their own scenarios. All right, guys, and a little bit of lighter news tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation Vita. Now, I read an article over the past couple weeks. I can't remember exactly when I read it. But it was basically comparing the life so far of the PlayStation Vita to that of the Sega Dreamcast. Now, the Dreamcast came out after the PS1 and the N64 and before the GameCube and the PS2. This put it in a little bit of a predicament. The N64, um, you could obviously argue it, but the N64 was the dominant console of that generation. And the PS2 was the dominant console of the following generation. So the Dreamcast fell in between these two generations. Now what's happened with the Vita is that it came out and some people are claiming that it came out after the current console generation, that of the Wii, PS3, and 360, and that it is coming out at a time before the next-gen console emerges. Um, so they're making that comparison, which I'm sure we'll have something to talk about, as well as the quote-unquote direct competition from the 3DS and the 3DS XL, uh, which we will also talk about a little bit coming up so i think before we get into those two issues we should just let teal say if he has anything that he wants to say about it well you know i i'm not I, when the vita first came out i was just like oh my god not another handheld and i and i'll be honest i had to look up dreamcast i couldn't even remember the thing but um it it actually sold pretty well I mean, the first three months it was out, Sony sold 1.2 million units of it. It's tapered off. As of GameCom, they've sold 2.2. But that's not too bad. I don't see it going the way of Dreamcast. I, I really don't. I, I think the competition between the Sony product and the Nintendo product is is healthy you know i i look through uh uh i look through game informer and see the list of games that are out there for 
the 3DS or the Vita, and there's quite a few out there. And they, they look pretty good, considering how small the unit is and, its compu and the computing power that it could possibly have. Will the, will the Vita or the 3DS interfere or go by the wayside with the next gen coming out, the new Xbox and the new PS4? I'm going to hazard a guess and say not much. I think there's always going to be a market for handhelds because you're on a long trip with your kids in the car. Keep them occupied. Slap a 3DS or a Vita in their hand. They'll, it'll keep them occupied for hours and hours. No more crying from the back seat. Are we there yet? <laughs> well, um, in my opinion, I mean, um, is the Vita the next Dreamcast? I would say yes. I think Dreamcast was a console that uh, whoever owned it loved it and whoever didn't own it thought it was a garbage console. I think Vita is kind of, as far as I can see, I mean, I don't own a Vita and I've never owned a Dreamcast, but I can see that Vita is kind of gaining the same reputation. The people who have it love it. I, I know Nova, I know Disturbed Poppy. Uh, I mean, these guys who own Vita, they love it. But the people who do not own Vita couldn't get interested in it. Uh, I know. Well, what do you think about that? Well, there's just so much that I could talk about right now. Um, one thing Tilk said is that it's not another handheld. Or he said, oh, no, not another handheld. And I say, you're right, it's not another handheld. It is a portable console. Um, you know, people compare it to the 3DS. And I guess, you know, you could say that that is its direct rival. Um, however, I don't really see them as that compatible. Uh, they, they appeal to different types of people. Um, now, we'll probably talk more about, you know, numbers and things like that in a, in a different episode. Um, so I, I'll leave that as it is. As far as the next gen, Sony has already promised that the Vita will be not necessarily an essential component to the interface of the PS4, but they have already promised that it is going to be a powerful factor in the development for the PS4. So whether that means we can do the remote play finally that we've all been waiting for, or whether it means, you know, we can control it like a remote or, or anything like that, it'll be sort of what the Wii U tablet is to the, the Wii U. Um, it'll be a way to have access to our PlayStation um, in the next gen outside of sitting on our couch. Um, another thing to think about with this whole Dreamcast comparison is that, you know, Zitter, I think what you said was pretty much hitting the nail on the head. Everyone who has touched a Vita has loved it. <laughs> and everyone who touched a Dreamcast absolutely loved it. It was the first system to have online gameplay um, which is unbelievable. You know, why didn't more people pick it up? T 
to this day, it still has some of my favorite games of all time. Toy Commander. Um, <laughs> it, it was so much fun. I could play that game for hours. In fact, sometimes I still set up the projector screen and pop in Toy Commander and play with my friends. You know, it's just the Dreamcast had so much to offer and it fell to the wayside. Now, if this happens to the Vita, so be it. Um, I still own my Dreamcast. And I will still own my Vita. And I will still use both of them. So whether or not it takes the same fate, I think I can still call it a success when the day is done. Uh, Zitter, how do you think the rise of mobile gaming, you know, with all your iPods and your iPhones and your Android devices, how do you think that's impacting the, you know, pocket gaming or portable console market i think it's impacting the console market a lot i mean um i i play a lot of mobile games uh but i also do not like that mobile games is taking over console gaming and everything uh, i think mobile gaming is more profitable uh, than console gaming uh, there is less uh, piracy in uh, mobile gaming compared to console gaming and uh, many of the developers uh, are focusing more on mobile games because they can keep the user engaged. Uh, the distribution system is uh, simpler because, I mean, in a console game, you have to talk to the guy who basically manufactures your disc and case and everything. Whereas in uh, mobile gaming, you can just uh, you can just release an app on the store and people will buy it and pay for it. Um, I, it's 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 more the distribution system that has made it uh, such a hit, and definitely the free games help too. Uh, mobile gaming is definitely catching on. It will uh, it will actually we will see all these AAA developers focus more on mobile gaming than on console gaming. But that is not necessarily the direction I would like for gaming to go. Just just from my sake because I would like to see more more of a console more of a serious gaming uh, area rather than just funny games and just games which you like you play for 10-15 minutes and then you go go on and do something else so let's move on to our review section and uh, instead of a review we are gonna do a kind of a first impressions about can you guess what game it is it's last of us again I mean, they released a really awesome gameplay uh, footage. I think it's 10, 15 minutes, right, Noah? Uh, yes, the the most recent one is the full 15 minutes. Um, it, it kind of includes the same mini trailer that they showed us at E3. Okay, so they released a 15 minutes um, gameplay footage, and Noah is getting really excited about this one. Yeah, I'm I'm already on the edge of my seat, and it's still quite a ways ahead of us. Yeah, so uh, I I mean, you guys already know what my opinion of Last of Us is. It's a cool game. Um, I really, I would really like to play. I love Naughty Dog. I've loved the Uncharted series. But let's ask uh, Teal. Um, Teal, have you played Uncharted series, or uh, and what is your impression about I Last of Us? I, yeah, I've, I've played Uncharted. I, I thought it was a pretty good series. Beyond that, you know, I, I, I'm i one of those people, I don't remember 
who puts out what game. So, you know, I just kind of go, oh, well, I like this game. I like that game. Um, as far as Last of Us goes, I hadn't heard of it till, I don't know, three, four months ago. It was in Game Informer. And it was, I don't know, two, three pages of it. And I, I was enthralled. I have, I hate zombie games. You can ask anybody who knows me. I can not stand zombie games. They annoy me to no end. Oh, something's happened. The dead rise. Oh, we must kill them and survive. It, they just, they just annoy me. This game shows so much promise, and I hope that everything we've seen up until this point is as good as it is in the game. I, I honestly do. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm one of those weird gamers, or maybe I'm not. I don't know. I I don't have these kind of in-depth conversations with gamers very often. Um, I like a story to go along with my gameplay that it helps it flow. It, it, you know, you start at point A and you end in point B and how you get there is determined by the flow of the game. I like to feel emotions for the characters, you know, feel, you know, it, it immerses you into it. It makes you feel what's going on. Yeah, I think uh, what uh, what really Naughty Dog is doing here is they are taking um, treating the zombie genre with utmost seriousness, and they're not having them run around like crazy. Uh, Noah, what what are your impressions about that? Yeah, well, you know, Naughty Dog released a comment basically saying that um, The Last of Us is essentially not a zombie game. Now, you know, we do know that there's this breakout and, you know, a big portion of the population has gone and that there is some sort of, you know, infected characters. But we haven't actually, you know, seen footage of a, quote, zombie. Um, we've seen, you know, brigands and bandits. Uh, we've seen the two main characters. But we haven't seen any of the, I guess, more supernatural beings uh and so i think that as far as you know the requests of teal they're doing a very good job um they're focusing on the story they're focusing on the characters like i said in the past i think this game is going to remind me a lot of heavy rain um obviously it's it's going to be a little different because just just the storylines are different um but I just think that it shows so much promise and they are pouring themselves into it. Um, I think we're going to get a, a very high quality game and I think everyone will be pleased with what they have. Yeah, I can, uh, I can agree to that. Um, do, have you ever noticed that the scariest horror movies are the ones in which you never see the ghost? I think I think the zombie or the whatever the modified character or some whatever is in this uh, um, movie, uh, this uh, Last of Us would be, would be something like that. Maybe I don't know. I'm just gonna edit that out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of I actually kind of agree with that, Zitter. Um, you know, I there's there's something about the the movies like Hostel and and Saw where you know it's gore and it's you know whatever but 
my favorite remembrances, keeping in mind that I'm so much older than everybody else around here, that growing up with Alfred Hitchcock movies, where you have this suspenseful build and this story that just drives you along and it has you on the edge of the seat. That's and then right at the end, bam, there's holy crap. And you jump back and you're like, freak the heck out. That's what I'm hoping this game will do to me. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really thinking that this game is gonna have that unknown element and uh, nobody's gonna know it, but everybody's gonna fear it. So I'm I'm excited for it. All right, guys, let's move on to the roundtable discussion. Now, the discussion for tonight is something that has kind of been plaguing me. And I know that Zitter and Teal'c also have some comments on it. And it's just kind of about the video game community in general. And I've recently found that it's just so negative uh, I know what you guys are going to say Nova Dragon you're saying that the community is so negative that's a very negative thing to say well yeah I, I hear what you guys are saying but I think if, if we don't start speaking out against it it's not going to change for the better and in fact I think it'll change for the worse so what I'm talking about is the community and our involvement and our commentary and our discussions with all of these different groups. That includes the rest of the community. That includes game developers. Um, you know, EA is is always a target. And so comments like I'm talking about, um, Armored Kill came out for the U.S. a couple hours late. And there were something like 700 posts within a couple hours on Battlelog saying like, DICE sucks. And another failure for dice i want to go die because dice doesn't give me any you know content or i want my money back because i've been waiting an extra 20 minutes for content that i already paid for um and so basically you know we just wanted to kind of i guess start the dialogue you know how can we as gamers i guess become happier is it or do you have do you have any starting points um how can gamers become happier well i think i think we need to realize that the amount of money that we are paying for many of these games 60 dollars compares nothing to the amount of entertainment we get out of it i mean we play i've played battlefield 3 for 350 hours um Though I might be sometimes angry and frustrated about what is happening to the Battlefield series, that is certainly not due to the amount of money that I've spent on it. That is due to the fact that I actually take pride in calling myself a Battlefielder, and I actually take pride in associating myself with this game. Uh, that's, that's the reason why I started this podcast and got you guys together to just because I'm proud to be a battlefielder. So, I mean, it hurt my feelings. I get a little frustrated, but I don't think I ever get angry. And uh, on the terms of gamers being angry, I would like to defend them. I would say that gamers, while they are angry, they are frustrated, and they 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 are very vocal at certain times, they are no more angrier 
than the sports fan we have uh, around the world. So, I mean, that's 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 the general crowd mentality. Till what do you think about uh, gamers? I, I don't think gamers are an angry community when you, especially when you compare it to sports fan and many other factions out there. No, I, I'd agree with you on, with that, Zitter. I mean, I, I think a lot of it's just frustration. Um, and, and it comes across as anger in their posts. Because let's face it, when you type something, the emotion doesn't relay very well. Um, for example, um, the last, not this last patch, but the patch before where they did all this nerfing and buffing and everything else for Battlefield 3. And everyone was all up in arms over it. Oh, my God. I what did they do to this? You know, here's my thought on it. Sit back. Relax. Adjust your gameplay. Learn to do something different than, you know, if you've been running around with, I'm an M16 user. Did this last patch hurt me? No. I just had to adjust how I shot with it. It's you know, whatever. I think that in every time DICE puts out a patch, the whole community gets, a, not the whole community, but a large portion of the community gets in this uproar over DICE broke this, DICE did this, whatever. And I think we just need to learn to adjust. They don't have, they don't even have to do these patches. They really don't. It, it's not making them any money. It's not doing anything for DICE or EA. It's it's to appease us as the consumer. And I think that if we just sit back and look at how we play and realize that all we have to do is make a minor adjustment or switch to another weapon or whatever i think everybody would just be happier but i don't i think part of our our culture's problem is that we don't accept change very well and i and i think that's leading to a lot of a lot of the anger well frustration that you see on on battle log yeah i certainly agree with the uh, with the change uh, i think one of the problem that uh, makes the gamers angry, I mean, angry or I would say frustrated, is because um, Battlefield 3 or any multiplayer game is a very highly competitive environment. And uh, even small changes uh, hurt them uh, in, in, in that special competitive environment. But yeah, I mean, I mean, people should be able to change. Change is part of uh, skill. If you consider yourself a skilled gamer, you should you should adjust to the patches uh, and um, adjust to the changes. Uh, Noah, do you have um, any comments? Yeah, and you guys are both making very good uh, points. I especially liked what you said about how you know change is going to happen. We just got to sit back and relax, change ourselves. Um, and then get right back into it. Um, and, you know, I was actually reading for school today, and I was reading uh, a little section of a book 
by um, Gerard Hauser. Uh, you know, and he, it was it was written in 1999, and he's basically, you know, the the book isn't necessarily about what I'm talking about, but he he writes something that um, people are more emotional about the things that actually affect them. And I think that in many ways, you know, we all sort of resonate as being a gamer. Um, And so when something happens to that or when something enters our, you know, uh, perspective that is different than what we expected or what we're used to, it leads to, you know, heightened emotions. And, you know, that's that's where the distinction between frustration and anger and even uncertainty get involved. Because um, anger is such a powerful emotion, whereas, you know, frustration... Everyone gets frustrated. You get frustrated at work. You get frustrated on your, you know, commute and rush hour. Um, it's how you channel those emotions. So we've talked a lot about uh, retro video games tonight. And you, you sit down, play your N64. Did they patch those games? Absolutely not. But that's why they made, what is it, like six versions of Mario Party before the GameCube even came out. Uh you know, they made sequels to games, and that was kind of the patch. Now we get both sequels and patches. So I don't know if we're better off because of it. I guess, you know, it goes along with what you're saying, Zitter. We got to get used <coughs> to the change because I guess the industry is changing. So we have to let it change. Um, one of the reasons that I think that gamers uh, get uh, frustrated is because they think that video games provide them infinite possibilities in terms of content and experience. And uh, sometimes gamers expect the developers to do so for them. And they get angry when their expectations are not fulfilled. Uh, also, recently, uh, game companies, they, they basically hype the game. Whatever game they are coming with, game or DLC, they... They try to hype it. They try to keep the release date very secret and all those things. And then uh, the gamer gaming community gets angry uh, because the game doesn't meet their expectation or doesn't meet the hype. I mean, this was certainly true with the August uh, content patch. Uh, do, you th- do you guys think, Noah, that these two factors, uh, expectation and hype, has a play in how vocal the gaming community is and uh, how angry they appear to be you know i guess there's something to that um (laughs) i think that one of the most hyped up video games right now is grand theft auto 5 um and i haven't seen that much anger other than that it's just not coming out soon enough (laughs) but you know what what can you do? You know you can't rush a poor product. Um, like all of all of the comments I've seen are highly positive. You know they've released a couple screenshots and people eat it up. They love it. Um, so I think that certain amounts of hype is acceptable. But I think when you let the hype kind of take over 
for you. So when the Vita was coming out, I was so excited. And then I got it in my hands and it lived up to its expectations. But not everything does. So I think if it doesn't live up to your expectations, you get a little angry. So uh, I know, Noah, you are a cool-headed guy. I mean, I'm not saying that Teal is not. but uh, oh, I, oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Teal, have, uh, have, has it ever happened to you that some game got really hyped up in your mind or and then when it came out, you were depressed, you were, you were frustrated and you were angered about it. No, not, not that I can think of. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that gets all wrapped up in that hype usually. Cause it's, for me, it's a game, you know, I, I read an article or I see a video on it or a commercial, whatever. And I just go with it. It's like, I'll play the game, I finish the game, and I'm like, eh, that could have been better. But then again, you know, I, I, I think I made a comment earlier. I, I don't tend to pre-order games. I don't typically buy games when they first come out. You know, they've dropped in price. So I suppose if I was one of those that ran out and plopped down 60 bucks so I could have Medal of Honor Warfighter in two, three months, or, you know, well, next month now, but... Um, and it didn't meet my expectations. Yeah, I'd probably be a little unhappy that I spent sixty bucks, and it didn't. It it wasn't as it wasn't worth my sixty dollars. But you know, I I just don't get that way. Um, I know that armor killed made you rage quit a lot. How do you how do you relate that anger? Well, you know, it, it's the rush mode is what what made me rage quit. It was it was like. God, I can't leave the spawn area. I'm getting, you know, I'm having 105 shells rained on my head every time I spawn. You know, I was, it was very frustrating. I quit playing it for, I don't know, three, four days and played nothing but tank superiority, went back to close quarters just to refocus. Um, the first time I played Rush on Armored Kills since, since I'd gone through all those rage quits, was the night you, me, and um, my platoon played together. By that point, I'd settled down. I adjusted my way of thinking. It's like you know, there's there's got to be a better way. Why don't I just Why don't we just figure out a way to work around this problem and so make it from uh, from from rage quitting and anger? It actually became a challenge. Exactly. And uh, I mean, you you actually gave me uh, a point that I can put forward. I think Noah started this conversation about how we can give advice to gamers who get angry or gamers uh, who are frustrated. I would, uh, and and I think the advice is just uh, take a break, go go do something else, and then come back to it. You will you'll not be that angry. It's true. Your emotions are definitely more powerful right when you have them. Um, you know, if I get angry at someone, I'll typically let it sit for a day. I know a lot of people say, oh, that's bad. You got to get rid of it right away. No, you don't. You just let it sit. And then the next time you talk to them, you'll at least be, you know, probably half as angry as you were. And that allows you for, you know, a space to make it better. Um, you won't be yelling at them and they won't I guess, 
you know, resort to yelling at you because you yell at someone who yells at you. Yeah, I'm pretty happy that we came into a positive conclusion and gave our gamers some advice. Teal, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, I, I one of the things that I do, um, I, I didn't have it this last week. Maybe, maybe that was part of my problem when Armored Kill came out. Um, I, I get a game from Gamefly and I let it sit there. So when I get whatever, you know, frustrated with the way whatever's going I'll go play it for a couple, three hours or a day or whatever. You know, I know every gamer out there has more than Battlefield 3. I, you know, I, I don't have a huge collection, but I have some that I can always go play. It'll take my mind off of whatever that particular game that's frustrating me, in this case, Battlefield 3, um, and just, you know, play something else. Go take a walk, go fishing, do whatever. Just, you know, step step back for a minute and let logic and reason take over. Yeah, so that will be our advice uh, for the day. If you, if you get angry, if you're rage quitting, just take a break, go somewhere else. Maybe you'll find a solution to um, your problem or whatever you are trying to do. So today in our audience showcase, uh, Will Guitar Guy, he sent us a story and the story was posted on DualShock Nexus by Will Guitar Guy himself. See how he's promoting his website over here on our podcast? Uh, anyway, the story said uh, that um, basically somebody posted a video of a T-Rex skull that, have, that has been found in Albert's Mountain in the new Battlefield 3 Armored Kill DLC. And I saw the video, and I mean, it's it's real. And I've heard from one more friend of mine that he actually stumbled upon it. Uh, I mean, so he asks us, uh, "Is Dino Mode near?" Um, I mean, you you guys, if if you have re- listened to the past episodes, you know you already know me and Nova's uh, predictions and our views on this. It's never gonna happen. But I was just wondering, Teal, if you have a different opinion. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm just too old to get it. I I don't know. I I I don't know about this whole dinosaur thing in in a modern combat game. But and I can't stop laughing about it. But anyway, I, do I see it happening? I to be honest, I think. Well, I have one of one of two scenarios. One, they're going to release some free thing after um what's what's the last dlc ending? um some patch or whatever at the you know after it's all said and done just to appease those people that want dinosaurs in battlefield i, I don't see it happening but I, anyway it maybe in end game like at the very end, some T Rex will run run by. I don't. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. You can't about even it. say it without laughing. <laughs> no, I can't because I I just you know I just don't get it. I you know if if that's if that's what the community wants and and Dice puts it in, you know, more power to them. I you know, will I play it? You're you're darn right. I will. I'll I'll sit down and I'll I'll battle T Rexes out of the back of a freaking jeep. I, yeah. 
<laughs> but I don't, I, I really, I just don't, I don't see them putting it in because it, it, it just really doesn't have any place, in my opinion, in a modern combat video game. I, you know. I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, Noah, do you think dinosaurs would be overpowered? <laughs> they would be like the AC-130 on crack. That's that's just kind of my thing. <laughs> we already got a dinosaur in, uh, in the game with the AC-130, which is like yeah. <laughs> so difficult like to take out. Like behemoth of flight. It's basically a pterodactyl. All they need to do is add some camo, right? <laughs> just yeah. add some camo on the AC-130 and make it look like a pterodactyl and bam, you've got dinosaur mode, right? Well, dinosaur camo wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe that would be the dinosaur board. Just go watch Jurassic Park. (laughs) Okay, well, there's your answer. I can just see it now on Battlelog. The T-Rex is OP. The T-Rex is OP. (laughs) I hate dice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, well, guitar guy, well, there is your answer. Sorry Sorry about all the laughter and laughing and all that stuff. Uh, so we are going to move on to our tips section. And the first tip here comes from Nova, who is beasting it out. Yes, I am. And you want to know how I'm doing it? How? I am using the M5K. Now, I do this a little different than most people. Um, I put it in burst fire mode. I rock the Cobra sight, the laser sight, and then the or not extended mags, which is what most people support. I rock the suppressor. And then I top it all off by using the Rex, the handgun that is now, you know, it lives up to its name. It has become the Tyrannosaurus of handguns. Uh, And I basically just flip a switch and turn on beast mode every time I run this setup. Doesn't matter what class, I'm just plowing through people. What kind of maps are you using this on? And PC and PS3 both? Yes, PC and PS3 both. Um, Most of my playing with this setup has actually been on PC. Uh, On PS3, I've been working on the SG553. So, you know, I haven't been using it as much there. But um, TDMs on PC, it works beautifully. Okay, so close quarter situation. You use the M5K and Rax and you can... Beast like Noah. So my tip of the day is uh, basically when you're running engineer, uh, you can maximize your chances in the tank if you know you're going to be driving a tank by not running the guided shell, pick up something else, and just uh, run with a javelin. So this this usually happens with me when I'm uh, with a teammate. Uh, he laser designates targets in the third seat of the tank. And I jump out and use my javelin. Uh, that way, I don't have to run guided shell. Uh, most of the time, I am re- running the heavy machine gun, which is very good at long range and uh, very accurate uh, to take out uh, those kind of enemies. So, I mean, if you want to try it out, go ahead and try this uh, little bit uh, of strategy by dumping the guided shell on the tank and running a javelin instead. Thank you guys for listening to our episode number six. Um, You can find all of our contact information 
at anonymousquadcast.com. That includes Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, and Skype. Don't forget to send us messages, subscribe, and do all your commenting because we love it. We eat it like cake. We also want to thank our special guest this week, Teal. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, T-E-A-L underscore C, 1966, or on YouTube at T-E-A-L-C, 1966. Thank you very much, uh, Teal, for joining us today. We had a lot of fun uh, talking with you and getting to know gaming from your perspective. Uh, it's been a blast. Yeah. And uh, guys, this is Zitter. Uh, I'm going to sign off in a minute. But if you want to play with us, add us on PlayStation Network. Uh, I am Zitter Zap. Uh, we have Noah X Dragon and we have Teal, T E A L underscore C, 1966. And Teal only plays hardcore. So if some of you are interested in that, uh, add him as a friend and uh, you'll be able to play with him. Thank you and bye. <laughs>